0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to Asked by Ayana. It's me, Ayana Lage. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am with Representative Anna Eskamani, who I unfortunately is not my representative. I wish she was, <laughs> but she is a force <laughs> here in Florida. I'm so excited to chat with her. So she's a member of the Florida House of Representatives, representing the 47th District in Orange County, the first Iranian American in the Florida Legislature, legislature. She advocates for issues including education, environmental protection, healthcare access, affordable housing, small business relief, and so much more. She's an Orlando native, the daughter of working-class immigrants, and a proud UCF Knight alumna. I'm a Gator, but my sisters are both Knights, so I can I can, I can say that I bleed black and gold still. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Anna. So before before I started recording, we were we were chatting about um, she's she's in DC right now. She's not gonna be in DC when you hear this, but she's doing so much, so much incredible work there. So um yeah, tell us about what you're up to this week.
1: I love to, Ayana. Thanks so much for having me on the show. And I appreciate that context too, because I think a lot of folks assume that. Uh, that I am a member of Congress, and so sometimes I have to remind folks that I'm I'm a state house representative, which means I represent the people in District 47 in the state legislature, Tallahassee. Um, but I am in DC this week because um, there was a call to action from the Texas Democrats, and I I'm sure some folks remember about mm, a month ago. Uh, Democrats from the state of Texas, their legislature left Texas because the governor had called a special session that was basically focused on like everything evil in the world, including voter suppression. So instead of giving them a quorum to proceed with a special session, about 50 some uh, Democrats in Texas left and they came to DC instead to push for voting rights. And so They put out this call to action asking other state lawmakers from across the state to come to D.C. and to stand with them in solidarity. And so, indeed, more than 30 states are represented here this week, including the Sunshine State. And so uh, we had a rally yesterday, and today we have meetings with U.S. senators and their staff just trying to get some life into this effort to pass a voting rights legislation federally, because... Florida, as just one example, has put into place voter suppression policies. And if we don't have Congress and the White House step up, it's gonna be very difficult to guarantee that every person has the right to vote come 2022 and beyond.
0: I love that you're there. I love that you're advocating and and really working toward this because I think that people get lost in federal, national government and politics when it comes to why isn't stuff getting done or what's going to happen here, not like not even realizing the importance of what happens on the state level so um which i know that you've seen a
1: lot of my efforts a lot of our collective work is very much just like foundational education on civics because you're absolutely right ayana i think a lot of attention gets like sucked out of the room for dc politics which is understandable i mean clearly it's important and um I think it's a, it's I think it's what we learn more about in a school setting like we learn about the three branches of government in a federal system but I'm always I'm always very intentional in teaching folks see that that's that three levels of government same thing in Florida the executive branch is the governor the, you have the legislature and you have a, a judiciary you have a state court system so we try really hard to just integrate that learning into everything that we do and even a panel I had focused on manatee issues cuz manatees are dying right now in Florida um, in a huge degree, we talked about the different levels of government and the role that each one of those governments play, and then even get more in the weeds within state government. There's other agencies, right, like water management boards and um, eight, uh, departments, like Department of Environmental Protection or or Florida Wildlife Commission. So it's does the system is designed to be confusing because they don't want you to know. So we really try hard to, like, unpack that and make it more accessible to so folks and actually engage in a meaningful way.
0: And I, I know a little bit about your background, but I know that everyone listening won't. What um, When you decided to run, why state? Why not local? Why not national? Right. What, what do you feel kind of, like, what drew you in? The Florida House is like the Wawa West in the
1: sense that it's supposed to be the people's chamber. It's supposed to be the space where more everyday people get elected and kind of offer that local perspective because there's more state house representatives, there's smaller districts. And yeah, even right now, there are multiple millionaires in the Florida legislature in the state house. And so when I was deciding what to do in the process of, first of all, building the courage to even run for office, and I worked at Planned Parenthood for about six years before I ran for office. And before that was very active as a college organizer at UCF. So I, I definitely had volunteered a lot of campaigns. I was engaged in different like civic campaigns, but never myself like in that spot. Right? It was and and honestly, I have always supported women running for office, but never put myself in that position because I just felt like there's no one that looks like me that's won for office or, or run or win. Um, you know, there's parts of like my I'm Iranian American. Like that. There's so many like just you know, accusations of of like dual loyalty that immigrants face and that kind of stuff. And I was born in Orlando, but but still I'm very proud of my cultural identity. So that's that's been used as an attack against me in the past. So I just I never saw myself in that space. But it really was the combination of just the complete lack of representation in Tallahassee on issues that I care about, alongside the election of former President Trump, that kind of catalyzed it for me. Because I realized really quickly that you know, President Trump's path to victory wasn't just his vitriolic campaigning. It was also because folks did not feel like the Democratic Party had their back, right? It was kind of like this rejection of the status quo and a feeling that if I vote Democrat, my life isn't going to get better because they feel this sense of distrust towards Democrats that kind of just run against a a candidate, but don't actually offer a vision for the future. They don't actually offer you ideas that are going to change your life in a positive way. Because when somebody votes, that's what they're voting. They're making a decision on who's going to make my life better. So I realized that even just as a Democrat, that we need to redefine what it means to be a Democrat, what it means to be a public servant, and I might be someone who can do that. And so that was kind of like a part of my journey to build the courage to say I want to run for office. And I asked a lot of other women to run for office first, and they look back at me and say, why are are you doing it? It was kind of one of those, (laughs) you know, aha moments with my girlfriends where I'm like, okay, touche. Like, maybe I should think about, you know, before I throw other people to the walls, maybe I should try doing it too, because it is scary. It's super scary. And so I actually wrote what I would say if I lost as like an exercise to be okay with losing, but to also identify the victory in trying like the, you know, some of the victory, even in loss. So all that came together, but I I did choose the Florida house because I have a love for state politics, like working at Planned Parenthood and um, living in Florida. I've always followed the legislature. I'm a big Florida channel, like news junkie. So um, I just love, love, love political issues and nerd out on it. Um, and, again, I just felt like the Florida House needed some legitimate representation compared to what it had. And and to represent my hometown, it also
0: feels really cool every day. That's so cool. And I, I love that you mentioned the 2016 election because I think that for a lot of millennials, whatever age range, I feel like that was kind of a wake-up call. I I feel like I'd always been kind of, like, comfortable not really paying paying attention to politics, of course, but not right. really – fully grasping it. And I I do remember the 2018 midterms feeling so different. Because I mean, I was not super stoked about, you know, the governor race. But I also realized I was like, there's so many women and so many women of color, and so many like historic wins happening. It, it was it was so encouraging. You flipped your seat, right? We did. We did. Yes. And,
1: and and let's and just like, even the governor's race, like, obviously, I was very, it was such a mixed night, because we had won our race, we flipped our seat. And I'll never forget this moment where Former representative Amy Mercado, she's now the Orange County property appraiser. She pulled me aside, like right after we did our big like we won speech, you know, and and she pulled me aside to basically tell me we were losing the governor's race, and I was just like, ah, like, oh my god, like I went from like cloud nine to like what, you know. And, and it, yeah. and it was, but but it was close, and it's really important because we have to remember that Florida is a really tough state, and for us to even get that close, you know, was it was a big deal, and and even looking at incredible women like Stacey Abrams, right, and it kind of reminds you that you have to measure victory in different ways, and like, so yes, you know, winning the election is obviously one of the most is the is the ultimate goal, and that's what you should strive for, but did we move the needle at all should be the other questions you ask yourselves. And I think that's why 2020 was such a bad year for Florida as a Democrat because 2020 the needle went backwards. And so to some degree, I do think it's like going back to the drawing board and um, in our case, you know, we've actually launched a voter registration initiative and, you know, we're trying really hard to kind of build new relationships with folks who don't typically vote, understand what issues do they care about and what can we do as Democrats to, to fight on those issues. And I, I do think that coming from a working class background myself, I have a lot of just personal experiences of struggling with money, but also empathy, which is so lacking in politics today. And so I'm, I'm very hopeful that when we look at the work of women like Stacey Abrams and others alongside her, that it kind of gives you the perspective that this does, this work doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to give grace to yourself, solve these problems as you as you can in an urgent fashion, especially. In crisis like right now at the pandemic, but don't don't lose sight of this long-term vision for your community and for your state, and don't get distracted by that either.
0: And I think that you've done such a good job of being actually like for the people, because I can't tell you how many times I've reached out to politicians and never heard back or gotten clearly a form letter, but I see you on social media, you know, directly responding (laughs) to people, interacting, answering questions, and I think that that is so refreshing and kind of, as you said, like reframes the idea of like what politicians do mm-hmm. and whether they're actually you know willing to advocate for you. But I was going to ask you. I found out embarrassingly late in life that state, um, like at the state house level, that you aren't full time. <laughs> you know, living large in Tallahassee around the LOL. clock. <laughs> I know. I love this. So funny, girl. I learned late too. You
1: know what I mean? Like, like. Wait, what do you mean you don't live in Tallahassee? Is that like what you do? And yeah, it's real.
0: <laughs> so what is your, I mean, obviously I know it changes depending on the time of year and all of that, but, but what does right, your right, schedule right. look like? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about that. I love this question. So, and honestly, this is why a lot of folks feel like they can't run for office because it is not a full-time job. So, Every state does it differently. So, for example, Florida has a part time legislature, which means we're only in Tallahassee for about in total, maybe 90 days in the year. But it, it actually, like you said, depends on when sessions start. So, for example, the 2022 legislative session begins formally in January and then goes for 60 days straight. But before we go to Tallahassee, we have committee weeks. And committee weeks start in September of 2021. So this is kind of one of those like weird off years for us because we just got out of session in in April of 2021. We go back in September 21 to start committee weeks and then we start with full session in January 2022. It'll be done by March and then we're back on the campaign trail basically. So what that means is because it's a part-time legislature, it's a part-time job and your salary is part-time and so... I only make twenty eight thousand dollars annually from being in this position. Now, of course, you do get access to state health benefits, which are very, very affordable, and it makes me so mad that everyday people have to struggle to have access to healthcare. When elected officials get access to the state plan, they should too. But the salary itself is 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 a barrier because what ends up happening is that unless you come from money or you're retired and have a pension, it's really hard to actually be elected official in Florida. And in my case, I have another job on top of this one that is my full-time job. And luckily it's remote. It's with a, a national foundation. So I, I have the blessings of as long as I am in Florida, then my boss is cool with wherever I go. But I also have a boss, right? Like like I have a daytime with a boss, just like anyone else does. And then I have my legislative work and I have my political work on top of it. And so it's a lot of balancing. I mean, I'll give you some perspective. So coming into DC... I wasn't planning to come early in the week because my schedule was just so packed. But I, with the rally happening on Tuesday, I was like, you know what? Let me just find a way to make this work. And so I found a flight at 6.44 a.m. on Tuesday out of Orlando that then flew into Miami and then from Miami (laughs) to D.C., so it was like one of those flights, right? And then the entire time, I basically worked on stuff for my day job because because I knew once I landed in D.C., I was going to be busy with, with having to manage other things. So I'm like, you know, just doing all those type of emails from like the 6 a.m. to, you know, 11 a.m. shift. And then you're just... and And imagine if you're a parent on top of this. I mean, my goodness, I have... So much respect for my colleagues that are mothers and fathers because it adds a whole other element of responsibility to it, and so yeah, I mean it's intense. So my days are basically a combination of things, meetings for my day job, constituent meetings, and 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 services. I mean, candidly, I do spend a lot of time just responding to messages, like you said, it's a big part of the responsibility. Sometimes we'll take, we'll be invited to take tours, you know, and get to meet nonprofit agencies or. Later, later next week, myself and a city official, I, I, I have a lot of questions about some of the city programming around uh, small business relief and things like that. And so we're just going to drive around the city of Orlando and he's going to show me some of the new investments Orlando's making so that we can see how the state can help and so forth. So there's those type of activities. And then on the political side, I mean, I'm knocking on doors, you know, we're raising money. So so all that gets thrown into a calendar. Yeah. Um, and by the end of the day, you're just exhausted and you just got to get up and do it all over again. So, yeah, it's it's pretty intense. But again, I, I do think that there needs to be a conversation about how do we make these opportunities more available to everyday people? But it's very difficult to get people to support a salary increase for politicians. Like it's just not a right popular <laughs> thing to do. Right. So I think I think it has to be the people who like push for it because the politicians push actually. I'm on a tangent here but just to give a shout out to senator arthenia Joyner, who's one of the first black women elected to the state senate she was termed out and in her last uh, session she filed a bill to increase lawmaker salaries because she she was retiring so she didn't feel like she had you know anything at risk and it was such an important point because she was basically trying to paint the picture of listen if you're a working-class mom you can't run for
0: office because you can't afford to run for office. And so that's a part of the conversation that we need to have to. Yeah. I mean, I that that's so interesting because I do think that I inherently think of privilege when I think of being mm. – mm. I mean, a lot of the politicians that I'm familiar with were wealthy before they became politicians, as you said. So well said. It, it is interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Can I to, add to uh, that
1: too, Ayana? Yeah, of if course. Somebody, if Sony becomes more rich as a politician – you should also be suspicious. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, I, I don't want to like, you know, frown upon someone who makes more money because like, you know, we talk to women all the time about ask for that promotion, ask for that raise, right? But I mean, like, if they all of a sudden have a stock portfolio and all of a sudden it's doing like really well, that's a little suspicious, like, because nothing should make you better at that except you getting access to special information. You know what I mean? So that also kind of drives me crazy, too, when, like, all oh, of a sudden, this person also becomes, like, super wealthy, and it's like, ah, what? How'd that happen? You know, like, I I actually upload my taxes with my financial disclosures every year, so I'm very transparent about my finances. I don't have that much to really show, you know what I mean? Like, two jobs is pretty much my finances in a nutshell, but um, it's it's wild to me how many properties my colleagues own, like, you know what I mean? And <laughs> And again, like, oh, yeah. it's just, you got to raise some eyebrows and just make sure like everything's not scadged because it just, there's this pattern of folks, like you said, either being wealthy and becoming politicians or becoming very wealthy when they become politicians. And it's like, ugh, that just doesn't feel like natural. You know what I mean? That there's something that feels like, pl- like almost plotted, you know?
0: Yeah. Like there, there's something off there. Well, I I know that you have a busy day in DC, um, but I did have one more question. It's, it's, it's a long one, but I, I think that... <laughs> I, I think that it'll make sense. I would love to hear um, not only what advice you have for women considering running for office, but also how you deal with mm. the hate that you get. Because I think that that would be my one of my biggest concerns if I were thinking about this. You handle it with so much grace. You've been through a lot of, like, you get a lot of really nasty stuff. Like, we're not going to get into the voicemail from <laughs> Matt Gates, but you can Google it. It was awful. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what advice do you have for for women, you know, kind of in your shoes or the shoes that you were in uh, a few years ago? This is such
1: a great question, and I just want to say thank you for asking it because I honor the women who have come before us and the women of today who have found the courage to speak up and speak out against sexual harassment, against sexual abuse, in particular even most recently around Governor Andrew Cuomo. It is so freaking brave to go to go even against your own political party, right? In sharing these experiences, and sharing these stories, especially when that individual says they're a champion for women's issues. Like it's not easy to 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 be that whistleblower to say something. So I mean, so much love and respect for those before me and those who are with me. And that's what gives me the courage on it because I always remember that I'm not alone, right? That whenever I get an ugly email, whenever I get an unsolicited phone call that's that's flirtatious or or men, you know, give you that long hug or whatever it is, right? Like you remember that you're not alone. I think part of the challenge that I've had to overcome is I'm actually someone that doesn't like confrontation or competition, which is super weird because I'm in a space every day where I have to be competitive when it comes to elections. And I have to confront people, whether it's on their behavior or on the issue. And so I constantly find myself in a place of discomfort, but my hope is that as I find the courage to challenge my own personal barriers, that it also inspires others to do the same, to be, to, to find the courage to say, I don't deserve that. And to also realize that you should never settle for that type of behavior. And, and, and you are deserving, you are valued and you deserve to feel valued in every environment, professional or personal. And so with that said, the advice I would give to anyone who's thinking of running for office, but especially to women and especially to women of color, because I think mm-hmm. it's uniquely challenging uh, for women of color as well. We don't often get second chances. Like if I mess up something tomorrow, I don't know how quick I'll, I'll be able to bounce back compared to others just yeah. because yeah. The, weight, the weight is like much harder on us. Um, and, and, I'm not, and, and let alone what it is for like Latinas or black women. I mean... I can only try to put myself in your shoes, but I, I I can only imagine the weight is even, even heavier to carry. So to remember who your mentors are, and I'm super blessed to have mentors from my AP government teacher to my UCF professors, my my sister is a mentor. So sometimes nice mentors, you know, are those folks in your life. Sometimes just the folks that you admire in history. But like, know who your mentors are, and like have that be a guiding light. Um, seek empathy, like. I always have like my empathy partners, right? Like folks that will just give me the pep talk when I need it. Have those folks close to you. And while you ask for guidance, trust your gut. Because at the end of the day, you're going to know what's right and what's wrong. You're going to know your community more than anyone else. And I think the most important thing is to be authentic. Be yourself. Don't let someone put you in a box. The number of times someone told me my... Oh my gosh, just the other day, I got an email from someone that said I should hire a professional stylist because my hair is, like, really messy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. I know. And I'm like, oh, you're you're on my side. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so, like, to not feel that pressure and to just be yourself. And if you want to wear a specific outfit because it makes you feel good, you should do it. Like, don't stress about it, right? And so be your authentic self. And 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 I, I think you'll be really – Amazed by when you lead in that way, how others will also do the same because you've given them permission to do that. You've given them permission to be themselves. And of course, there's also so many amazing training programs out there. So if you do want to run for office, you know, if check out organizations like Emily's List or Roots List or um, uh, Emerge, there's so many different programs that focus on. Uh, helping to train new folks who want to do this work. And and maybe you don't want to be the candidate. There's also a lot of work to do on the campaign staff side. And I will tell you that we have a pretty big gap of of talent in Florida. You know, part of my effort is to kind of build that pipeline of talented staff as well. And so even volunteering on a campaign can be a really great experience to decide if you want to get more involved.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for your insight. And I will obviously like link all of your... Uh, socials and in your website below but is there a primary platform uh, for people to connect with you one that you're on most i love this question so you can follow
1: us on all the social media outlets that you you know and love or hate sometimes that includes facebook twitter and instagram <laughs> and it's at anna for florida all spelled out with two N's. so at anna for florida we're also on tiktok but i gotta i gotta get back on TikTok myself And then you can always email us Anna at Anna for Florida if there's something you want to talk about more. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Asked by Ayana. I hope that you enjoyed the listen. If you're looking for a way to support the podcast, taking the time to leave a rating or review or sharing it with someone who you think may enjoy it is a huge help and goes a long way. See you next week.